She has the unique skill set to think of any and every scenario that's possibly going to happen while we're gone. Um, I'm the guy who like throws three pairs of underwear in a backpack and I'm like, I think I'm solid. Uh, but she, she is able to think through every, every scenario and she prepares us for the trip. And sure enough, when we're on our trips, wherever they are, we end up needing the bags of stuff that she has prepared for us uh, on that trip. It's, it's kind of a special gift. So when we get ready to go, she's working hard and I'm trying to figure out what do I need? Underwear. That's what I need. But on this particular trip, we went to England, and I did have a very important task that was on me to, to take care of. And it was going to be one of the most important tasks, I would say, for this trip. I had to go to our, our phone carrier, and I need, needed to make sure that we had an international plan so that we could navigate while we were in England. We needed, we needed some form of GPS. And having a phone with us in England was, was very important. Without that, we would have been in trouble. And today we're kicking off a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in this for three weeks. And like the quote I read earlier, becoming a Christian means believing that the presence of God comes and lives inside of us. Lives inside of you. And without the presence of God to guide us, we are like my, my wife and kids navigating through England with no GPS. You're kind of a little bit directionless. You don't know what to do, where to go. You start getting a little bit hopeless, maybe a little haggard as you're trying to figure out how do we do this together. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We, we desperately need the presence of God. It is essential to life, to life in the Lord. The good news is Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to do a bit of a survey, kind of walking through the Old Testament. I'm just going to teach some things from the Old Testament up until John 16. And then next week I'm going to teach about baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of questions, concerns, and fears that kind of surround that. I want to, I want to talk about that as a church family. And then the last week, uh, Pastor Stacy is going to lead us in a discussion on the gifts uh, of the Spirit. So that's kind of where we're going. Will you pray with me as we jump into the, the Word today? Lord, we, we just thank you that you go before us, you've always gone before us, and that you provide exactly what we need in every moment, in every circumstance, by your Spirit. We, we choose to slow down this morning to acknowledge that you're at work right now, and that you're here to guide us and to teach us. We trust you. Speak to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, depending on where you grew up or who you grew up with, um, we all come here today kind of with some preloaded ideas or preloaded information about the Holy Spirit, don't we? Um, we are a bit of a mutt <laughs> when it comes to backgrounds on the Holy Spirit here at, at Living Word, right? I've got, I've got some friends here who grew up Baptist. Uh, others who grew up Lutheran. Uh, maybe you came to Jesus in the 70s in a kind of a charismatic Pentecostal church. You've got that. Uh, I grew up in a free Methodist church. It's my background. Maybe you've come from a, a Catholic background. Each congregation handles this conversation a little bit differently, right? 
I remember when I first moved up to Oak Harbor, I was... Uh, I sent out emails to most of the pastors because I just wanted to get to know people in our town. I wanted to know more about Oak Harbor. And one of the guys that I met with was Father, P- Father Pluth down the street at the St. Augustine's. And he knew that I was the new Foursquare pastor. And the first question that he asked me when we got together was, so when you guys get together as a church, do you just pray in tongues the whole time? <laughs> I thought, huh. That's interesting. <laughs> Again, because each one of us, we kind of approach this conversation differently. And based on our experiences, we've got like preloaded ideas and thoughts about what actually happens when we gather around this topic. It's possible that if you're newer to faith, this will be kind of a brand new conversation for you, which is awesome. Here's what I'm confident of. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. And I'm confident that there's a lot that he says uh, about the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot that the Holy Spirit will teach you, uh, because that's who he is, and that's what he came to do. And today we're going to look at some passages that hopefully will be an encouragement. I simply want you to ask the Lord to teach you through his word. If you have questions... If you've had questions or have questions and there's confusion around this topic, the best thing that you could do is to dive into the scriptures with a community of people and look for the answers in the word of God. It's there. The answers are there for you. And and the spirit will guide you in that. The well-known pastor Charles Spurgeon, he says this in regards to the spirit. He says, unfortunately, most of us think far less of the Holy Spirit than we should While we often exalt the Savior and make him the subject of our thoughts, we give the Holy Spirit a very disproportionate place. I fear that we may even grieve the Holy Spirit by our neglect of him. Now, our particular denomination, the the denomination that this church is a part of, uh, is Pentecostal, meaning we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in, in the Holy Spirit baptism and the work of the Holy Spirit today. The The four foundational truths of our movement are that Jesus is our savior, our healer, our baptizer in the spirit, and our soon and coming king. And so today we're going to look at just a snapshot of how the spirit's been at work from the very beginning, and then we'll land in John 16. So if you got your Bible, uh, turn to the first chapter of the Bible. Uh, Here's what it says. Genesis 1 Verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, the word hovering here in this text can mean brood or, or, or bearing. And so there's this really cool picture before anything is created And water is kind of symbolic of chaos and disorder in the Old Testament. And so there's this kind of disordered, chaotic, dark space. And it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over, like getting ready to bring order and give life and give birth to something that's that's new. It's a cool picture of the Spirit of God in the very beginning of the Scriptures. As you move your way through the Old Testament, uh, the Spirit works in different people different places for specific tasks. Um, There's some places where it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Familiar with this phrasing, right? Here's an example. 
Exodus, where God's giving instructions for the tabernacle. It says this in Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. So this particular individual, by the Spirit of God, has special ability to carry out the thing that God is asking his people to carry out. Pretty cool story there. Another example, the story of Samson, book of Judges. The Spirit provides kind of supernatural strength to this man. Uh, Judges 15, 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that is caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. So again, there's specific individuals that were given specific gifts and abilities to accomplish specific tasks that the Lord had set apart for them. Basically, if the Lord wanted something done on the earth, he accomplished it by the work of his spirit through his people. Now hold on to that because that continues to today, right? When the Lord wants to accomplish something, he does so by his spirit through his people. Now we see through various prophets in the Old Testament that God gave wisdom and direction and strength. Uh, a couple more examples, Chronicles, Second Chronicles 15. It says, the spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you. While you are with him, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so when God would want to speak to his people by his spirit, he would work through a prophet or a leader, right? Continuing on the prophetic books like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, it's all over those books as well. The prophet Ezekiel speaks on behalf of the Lord in 36, says this, and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put where? Within you, I will remove the heart of stone from, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and we read from Joel this prophecy of the coming of the Spirit. This is Joel 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So this is, this is a very small sampling from the Old Testament, but it's very clear that the spirit of God was at work in the Old Testament. Are you with me on that? Throughout the whole Old Testament, the spirit of God was at work in specific times and places through specific people. Now, when Jesus showed up on this earth, he simply confirmed the prophecies that were spoken about him, and then he fulfilled them. Flip forward to John 16, if you have your Bible or your phone, John 16. This is late in the ministry of Jesus. He's nearing the end of his journey. He's having some pretty serious conversations with his disciples because he knows what's coming. They're still confused a little bit. They're, they're not really following completely what he's about to accomplish, especially when he starts going to the cross. They're like, 
uh, what? You know, this isn't what we signed up for. And he's preparing them around a meal. He's telling them, listen, I'm, I'm getting you ready for what's coming. Listen to what he says, John 16. He says, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when, the hour, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So this is, this is awesome. Jesus is awesome. He tells the disciples, guys, don't be confused. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't lose hope when things start getting crazy. When things start getting dark, when things start getting confusing, I'm, I'm going to set you up. Don't, don't lose hope, okay? It's going to be okay. It's going to feel hopeless. It's going to feel overwhelming, but don't worry. Remember what I'm telling you right now. Verse 5, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you. Your sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now, if I'm the disciples <laughs> and I'm sitting with Jesus, the one who I left my entire life behind to follow, the one who for three years I've been listening to his teaching and following his direction, trying to figure it out, and I'm sitting and I'm having this meal with Jesus, and Jesus looks at me and says, hey, you know what? This is what's going to be better for you. I'm going to go. If I'm one of the disciples at this table, I'm going, ah, I'm not sure I agree with you. <laughs> I, I kind of like having you here. Like, this is actually great. But he tells him, listen, it's better that I go. Because if I don't go, then I can't send the Spirit. He says, if I stay... Listen, I'll be confined to a specific place in a specific time, but if I go, I can, I can pour out my spirit on all flesh. Because here's the thing, the disciples still weren't grasping. The mission of Jesus, the mission of God, was always for the nations. So his work to be accomplished would have to be through his spirit, through many people. And for him to be in a specific place and location in the flesh... It wasn't going to be accomplished that way. He needed to send his spirit. And in order to send his spirit, he had to go. You with me? So the disciples are trying to figure this out. Like, uh, okay, you're going to do something. You're going to send something. You're leaving. I don't know if I agree, but whatever. And he's pointing back to this proclamation from John the Baptist that John the Baptist said, this is the guy who is going to baptize you with the spirit. It's, it was all a setup. <laughs> And then Jesus tells them exactly what the Holy Spirit is going to do. So he, he says, listen, it's going to get dark. It's going to get hard, but don't worry. I'm going to send you something. And 
And the Spirit is going to do some very specific things. Here's what it is, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So, Jesus tells the disciples, listen, trust me. What you have seen and heard from me over these last few years. He says, I've walked with you. I have taught the things of God. I have modeled the heart of God. I have shown you exactly who God is. I've embodied that completely and perfectly on this earth. As you have seen me do that, as you have witnessed and experienced the presence of God through me, the Spirit of God is going to come and he's going to be the exact same thing. The word, the word advocate is to come alongside to be a helper. Just like if I came alongside Tony, if Jesus came alongside Tony, he would walk with her and talk with her and kind of, hey, we're looking at things together. Let me teach you a few things. When Jesus left, he said, just like I was doing that with Tony, my spirit is now going to live inside of Tony and is going to do the same things that I did while I was here. That's true for every single one of us that have given our life to Christ. We have the Spirit of God to guide us and to teach us and to show us the way. It's a beautiful thing. This is what Jesus is promising. Say, I'm going. I'm going to give you my Spirit. This is going to be great. Trust me. I don't know if I trust you. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Verse 12, continuing. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I am very grateful that God in his kindness understands what we can bear and what we can't. Jesus in this text, he says to the disciples, I've got actually a lot to say to you, but I'm, I, I know you and I know what you can handle right now. So that's gonna come later. When the spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, present day, 2022, what do we do with this information that we just digested from the text? What does this mean for us? If it's true, if it's true that God has been at work from the very beginning by his spirit, if it's true that the spirit of God has been accomplishing the work of God on this planet from the very beginning of time. If it's true that the prophets spoke of a time that the Spirit of God was going to come and be poured out on all flesh, if it's true that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy, he died and rose again and poured out his Spirit, Acts chapter 2, if it's true that God wants to work in you and in me by his Spirit, then here's the question for us to consider today. Do I want the Spirit of God working out his plans in my life. Do I want 
the Spirit of God working out his plans in my life. Do, do I have a desire for right living with God and with man? Do I have a desire? It's a little bit tougher one. Do I have a desire for conviction when I've walked outside of that? Do I have a desire to live with an urgency that God will be returning someday and through my life, he is telling others about the goodness of what Jesus has done. Now, this is a huge question because it's really an invitation for us to let go of the steering wheel of our life, which I don't think anybody does real well. I don't do that well. I, But it's an invitation to say, okay, whatever, whatever I'm walking into the, today, whatever I'm going to face today, whatever challenges or experience or loss or hardship, what, whatever it is going to be, the Spirit of God within me will be present to guide and, in, and encourage and teach, convict, direct. Am I able to say, <laughs> God, you're with me. I don't fully get how this is going to work out, but I trust you. I trust you because you're here and you're work. I'll tell you, there has been plenty of times in my life where I have lived a no to this question. Anybody else? <laughs> it could be the Lord's asking me to do something specific or ask me to change direction, and, and I'm just like, ah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but oh, come on, we got, we got a good thing going on here. You ever walk with the Lord like that? It's like, he's like, okay, you need to turn around and you need to go back that way. Like, uh, well, making a pretty good headway going this way. But by his spirit, he convicts, or there's some truth that he's guiding you into that you don't even know what's coming next. And he's trying to protect you and guide you and save you from something. And instead of listening, we just go, and then we end up in something that, and then it's like, huh, well, maybe you were on to something over here. <laughs> Come on, that's the journey, right? So what does it look like as we live out this life in Christ by his spirit in every moment to say, okay, Lord, I'm bringing myself into this moment. You've given me specific skills and abilities and wisdom and those things. But listen, I'm going to surrender my insight and my wisdom to whatever you're guiding me in. Maybe I'll use the wisdom that you've given me, but maybe you're going to say, you thought you were smart, go this way. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Usually better too. 
Now, it's tough. It's tough for us as a people that live in a place where we can become very certain about things. <laughs> we can become very set in our ways. We, we think with our understanding and our knowledge that we can figure everything out, that just the right kind of knowledge and application that we can, we can handle and fix and make it through anything. With that kind of training, living in a culture like we live, it's, it's actually rather difficult to trust the Spirit of God. can be. Because everything that we're taught up to, to live into is actually kind of pulling away from where, maybe where the Lord's leading us. So it's an act of surrender. And it's not just like the, I, I'm hearing the call of Jesus on my life. I surrender today. It's like when I open my eyes in the morning... I don't have what it takes to walk through this day outside of the grace of Jesus. Amen? (laughs) I need you to guide me today. I need you to give me strength today. I need wisdom for this day. I'm not going to live on my wisdom and understanding of yesterday. You may use that. I'm going to trust that you're speaking to me in this moment in what I'm facing today. Paul, in Ephesians 4, he encourages the church not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Meaning when the Spirit is giving direction in your life, hey, go this way, grieving the Holy Spirit is going, so solid. (laughs) There's something in the heart of God that understands what we need because he created us. That when he calls us by name and he begins to guide us, it's for our good. And when we walk away from that, the heart of the Father grieves. Oh, it's painful. Why? Now, for those of you that are parents, young kids, your kids are older, you understand this, right? When this happens, you're like, "Ah, my kids are still small. It, it, it tends to be that like the things that we get ourselves into just get more and more complicated as we get older, right? When they're little, it's still pretty simple, but it's still grieving. Like, why would you choose that? <laughs> Grieves the heart. I love how uh, Spurgeon, again, another quote from Spurgeon, says this, the Holy Ghost is here and we should expect his divine working among us today just as at Pentecost. If that's not our experience, we should search ourselves to see what it is that hinders, whether it's something in our lives that grieves him or restrains his sacred energy. May God increase our faith in the Holy Spirit and inflame our desires toward him so that we may look to see him fulfilling his mission among men as at the beginning. This desire to know and walk with the Lord. This is why when you surrender your life to Christ, <laughs> when you just choose to walk with him, it, it, it tends to get like more crazy at the beginning because there's this massive war inside of you where the spirit of God is leading you in one direction and everything you know is leading you in a different direction. You're, you're learning to, to die to yourself, to die to your desires, to lay down your will. And, and so when you first make that decision and say, I'm going to be a follower, I'm going to follow Jesus, you experience all of that tension. <laughs> you experience every bit of it. 
And that's why you actually need the people sitting around you to live this out. We need each other to live out our faith. We can't do it in isolation because it, there's a, it's a truly, Paul says it's a spiritual battle. It's, we're waging war. It's a spiritual reality that we're fighting against things. We're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. We're, we're pressing into things that are supernatural. And we need each other when it's hard. Anybody else just need a shoulder to cry on when things get rough? <sighs> Man, last night, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> last night, it's, it's, been a, it's been a hard week, right? There's, there's, as John mentioned, it's been a tough week. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting last night watching the incredible Dr. Pohl. Anybody watch this on Disney Plus? He's a vet in mid-Michigan. I've got an affinity for Michigan, so I'm like, oh, I want to see what's going on here. He's a veterinarian who, like, cares for cattle and sheep and dogs. I'm sitting watching this show weeping last night. I'm just... <laughs> it, it didn't have to do with, like, the sheep that was having a hard time. I'll just say that. But there was something in me that was breaking... Because when people you love are hurting, you hurt with them. Paul talks about that too. <laughs> we celebrate together. We mourn together. We need each other. And somehow when we gather in the name of Jesus, his spirit is present with us to build us up and to encourage us, to strengthen us. And so even when we don't feel like showing up in a setting like this, it's actually the thing we need most. We need to step into community and go, I don't even want to be here, but I know I need to be here. Because there's something God's going to do by his spirit when I just say, I need you. So I want to encourage us as we continue in this conversation over the next couple of weeks. All of us, regardless of our background and our story and whatever we're bringing into this, take a deep breath and just say, Lord, teach me. Whatever it is that you want to teach me, by your, teach me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hear. Uh, I want to give you a few resources. Worship team, you guys can join me. Uh, starting with the scriptures. Uh, <laughs> you, want, you want a good resource on, this, on the Holy Spirit? Just read the scriptures. That is where we start. And all the books that I'm going to, to give as recommendations, they are all built on the scriptures. So I'm going to give you four um, books as recommendations. There's a couple of them that are aligned to who Foursquare is. They were Foursquare pastors or leaders. Uh, there's one that's, that's not Foursquare. I'm somebody who loves to read, has, has kind of a wider range of reading. And then I say, Lord, teach me through this. Uh, so I may even give you a wild recommendation, but here's the four. Uh, the Promise of the Father by Steve Schell. He, he served on the doctrine committee with Foursquare uh, for many, many years. Great leader in our movement. Um, this book is excellent, The Promise of the Father. Pick this up. Uh, this one above the other four, I would just say it's very helpful. Next week, we're going to talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit and the way he teaches. It's so accessible and promise of the Father. Uh, baptism in Fullness, John Stott. Uh, he's an Anglican priest or pastor from England. He has a little different angle than Foursquare would have, but I would recommend reading it just to learn. 
uh, and, and to kind of put the ideas against each other and pray for discernment. So John Stott, great book. Uh, Who is the Holy Spirit? Amos Young, he's a professor down at Fuller uh, Seminary. It's a great book, uh, following the disciples through Acts and how the Spirit was working. Uh, the Holy Spirit by Jerry Cook. He's a local Foursquare pastor. Great book on the Holy Spirit. Jerry Cook writes in a very relational way. And so if you're looking for a, a read that's a little bit easier, that's an excellent read on the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to write, if you're feeling squirrely and you're like, what's the other side of this? <laughs> Hopefully I don't get in trouble for doing this. Uh, John MacArthur wrote a book called Strange Fire that is actually the opposite side. It, the, their belief system is completely different. And he actually comes against Pentecostal, Pentecostal beliefs. Um, I read his book and I went, I agree with 80% of what you're saying in here. Because the things that he actually comes against, most Pentecostals are not about. So it's helpful to read something like that to understand the, the greater story. Uh, strange fire. Anyway, please stand. <laughs> Let me pray for us, and then we'll close in singing. Lord, um, we need your help ultimately through a conversation like this. You said that you were going to send your spirit to guide us into truth. We believe that you're more than capable of doing that in each of our lives. So we ask you to do that. Lord, today, the next day, the next couple of weeks, would you give us insight? Help us to see who you are and help us to trust you and surrender to your guidance. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's worship.